Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download your apps. Let's go to this week's message in our series on the kingdom, the thing Jesus talked about more than anything else and how this impacts the way we live today. Welcome to Grace Life. Let's celebrate that. If you were here two weeks ago for Palm Sunday, we kind of said that was our 12th anniversary because 12 years ago, Palm Sunday was on this weekend. This is actually 12th anniversary for us. It's the second weekend of April. It was April 9th. Uh, back a long time ago. And let me just tell you, God has done so many good things since then. First of all, we weren't even here. We were in a, a tiny little school off of uh, Webster, uh, Webster University off of uh, Farrow Road over there. And when we first moved into this building, we thought, what are we ever going to do with all this space? I mean, we didn't even have the back section of chairs at all. And this front section was mostly empty. And we only had one service. And if you guys were here last service, well, uh, you weren't, which is good, and please don't come to the second service. We had to go and get extra chairs for people now for at least two or three weeks running. There's just not even an empty seat in here. That's exciting, isn't it? I I tell you, I can't wait to see what God is going to do in the next year. 379 salvations in the first 12 years. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's coming soon when we will see 379 in one year. We'll see 379 in half a year. We'll start to see 379 in a quarter. God is going to do amazing things. And and just one of the most exciting things about this is how God has built a family. All day today, we've watched in every service that that people have have come back that were here in the very beginning. They were here when it started. The army moved them away, and the army has brought them back or whatever else. We have a good friend of ours, Janine Leonard. She didn't want me to do that, but everybody wave at Janine. She's, She's hating me right now. She was at Grace Life back forever ago, before I was even on staff, I think. I mean, it's just amazing to see how God has been building a family over the years and what he's doing, and can't wait to see where we are One year from now, we're going to stand in that new building on our 13th anniversary and recount the goodness of God. Isn't it good? All right, well, we are in a brand new series today. We're kicking off on the kingdom of God. But before we get into that, I want to tell you two really important things. The first one is, first step tonight is part one. And this month, April, everybody here, are paying attention? This is your last chance. Your last chance. So anybody who's been doing first step and you got part of it, maybe one of the four, you need to get one of the other four or two of them or whatever. April is your last chance. We're going to take May off. We won't do anything in May. And we're going to rewrite it and we're going to reboot in June as we make some changes and get ready for the new building, doing some things the way we think God wants us to do as we get ready to move in. So for those of you that have already begun first step, this is your last chance. For those of you that are saying, well, then why should I come tonight? Well, because if you don't begin tonight, then this will be uh, your only chance until June. So that's a lot of reason for you guys to come out tonight. We've got a buffet, kids covered, everything, no excuses, right? All right, the second thing is with this new series that we're beginning, we want to help you make some friends. We want to help you, those of you especially that are new to Grace Life, discover what it's like to have other people sharing life with you and standing with you and talking about what God is doing in your life. So just for this series, we're beginning some brand new life groups that will only last for six weeks, six weeks. 
Very easy commitment. And they haven't even begun yet. So in most cases, if you go to one this week, you, you won't be the new kid on the block. You'll be there with everybody else for the first time. And you'll get to talk about what the kingdom of God means to you, uh, what this looks like in your life. So I want to encourage you to either go on the app, the website, or drop by the white tent and look for a kingdom of God group. Find out what is near you so that uh, you can find community. I think that's so important. All right, so uh, we should start with this question. Well, why the kingdom of God? Why talk about this? Unfortunately, I already gave you the answer in my announcement. I, I let the cat out of the bag too early. Uh, it's the thing Jesus talked about more than anything. I want you to think about this, that the Son of God leaves heaven, comes down to earth, and he's got all of history, all of wisdom, all of his godness, everything that he knows. If he could preach on anything, he had one topic he talked about more than anything else. I think that should get our attention, don't you? After he was crucified and rose again, before he ascended to the heavens, he spent 40 days with his disciples talking about one thing. Guess what? The kingdom of God. And so this is something that we should really sit up and go, wait a minute, what does this mean? And well, here's the reality. If, if Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, we're only going to scratch the surface in our six Sundays together, but hopefully a little more if you go to the life groups and, and, and we're still gonna get plenty of, of it out of this for, for what we need. But let's be for real. Look around the world. Does it seem to you like the kingdom of God is just really far away? And by that, I don't mean distance because we can't measure from here to heaven, but I'm talking about in reality. I mean, have y'all read the news lately? I mean, it, it makes us ask the question, if the kingdom of God is on the earth, if God's rule is here, if God's authority is here, then how did we get here? And I don't mean created. I mean, how did we get to such a broken point? How did we get to where there is so much evil in the world? How did we get to where we wake up and we look at what's going on in current events and we hate that so much is wrong? How did we get to this place where it seems like the devil is doing more damage and will never recover from it, and it seems like God is scrambling just to keep up? Don't you think it's a fair question? How did we get here? My wife does something that drives me crazy, but since she's still in this service, I'm gonna talk about something I do that drives her crazy instead. I had plans for her to not be here at the third service, but that's okay. I can modify on the fly. Truth is, actually, she does this to me, I do this to her, and you all do this to each other. We all do the same thing. And it's when you, you walk in in the middle of a TV show or a movie, and you start asking questions. Come on, y'all married to those people? I'm not, oh, look, right, that was funny. I'm not responsible for the marriage counseling that is needed after this example. It started with, hey, honey, I'm going to watch so-and-so. And you, and you hear the title and you think, I'm not real interested in that. But about an hour into the movie, you walk into the room, kind of get your attention. You stay there for a second. Next thing you know, you say, hey, honey, who's, yeah, you start asking, who is that person? What, what's going on here? What's important? Maybe it's about the third episode of a new Netflix series. You didn't think that was going to be interesting either. So your spouse or your children or somebody starts watching it by themselves. Come on, any kids in the room? Your parents do this to you, right? They're thinking, I don't want to watch what my kids are watching. But then they walk in the room and go, hey, so who is that? Well, see, here's the deal for all of us. You can't understand what's going on if you don't know what happened in the beginning. And if you miss the beginning, you've got to ask some questions to go back and understand things. Now, here's the truth. I don't care what you're watching on television as far as whether or not you know what's going on in a movie. I've got something more important to talk about. And that is, we can't know what God is doing on the earth. 
We can't know what God is doing in our lives if we don't understand the beginning. And so what we need to do today is go back to the very beginning to understand how we got here so we can understand what God is doing through us and what God is doing on planet Earth. Does that make sense? So we're going to start at the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I actually mean before the beginning. I mean before there was time. See, the truth is time is created by God. There, there won't be any time when we get to heaven. I know when you think about the idea of eternity, when I was a kid and somebody said, think about eternity, I thought about a clock that, that would never run out. You just think everything keeps going and you, you start to imagine what a calendar would look like if it never ended. Well, here's the truth. That doesn't matter because eternity is not never ending time. Eternity is without time. And there was a point before time. So when I say today we're going to go back to the beginning, I mean we're actually going back before the beginning. You know, if you've ever tried to read the Bible from the very beginning, the first three words are in the beginning. We're going to start before that. And before that, you had God sitting perfectly upon his throne. There was a spiritual world already in existence, and there was heavenly hosts surrounding him. We see a picture of it in Psalms says the lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all and praise the lord you his angels you mighty ones who do his bidding who obey his word everything was perfect and then he decided to create the universe he decided to create earth he decided to create man and then he does something we really don't understand that to this day we're trying to figure out what he was up to when he put man in charge Come on, y'all, that was goofy, isn't it? You made all of that, and you gave it to us. Sure enough, I'm going to show you this in Genesis 1.26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that moves on the earth. And God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Look, if your brain is melting at reading this passage, it's okay. If you're new to church, new to the Bible, there's some stuff in here that's pretty confusing. Started when God said, let us make man in our image. I mean, come on, who's he talking to? Is God schizophrenic? What's going on up there? No, no, look, it, 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 he's not schizophrenic. There's, there's nothing going wrong. The reality is we, we can't really fathom this, but God exists in community. We don't exist in community. We are one person. We exist as ourselves. And so this is one of those things, just like time, we're going to have to wait till we get to heaven. And, and then when we are completely perfect and glorified, maybe then our minds will be able to comprehend some things we can't comprehend now. But see, God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He exists as three persons, but yet one God. And that, if you think about that too long, smoke will come out of your ears. It's just the way it's going to happen. Because the closest we can even begin to come to understanding this is in marriage. And, and it's a far cry from the reality, but it's close. At least the closest. The Bible says the two shall become one. And if you've been married long enough and you've been through enough fights and come through it and you've, you've learned to love together and to laugh together and to fight together and to stay together and, and you've gotten to this point where you could begin to answer each other's 
questions and, and you know what the other one is thinking and you can have a whole conversation with a look. Come on, married people, you know what I'm talking about. The good ones and the bad ones, right? You can have a whole conversation there. And, and if you've ever seen somebody who's been married like 50 years and one spouse goes home to be with Jesus, the other one, it, it's like life isn't the same anymore because it's not. Because they didn't just miss a person, part of them is gone because the two became one. It's the closest we will ever get to understanding how God is in community. Someday we'll understand that more perfectly than we do now. And then he says, we made, we made them in our image, male and female. I love kids ask me this all the time. Is God a man or is God a woman? And the answer is neither. You neither. See, what God did is he took some of his attributes and he put those in man and he took some other of his attributes and he put them in woman. And that creates what we refer to as stereotypes. Now, don't get mad at me for saying that because it's just saying that the majority of the time, most of us demonstrate those same kind of characteristics. And so you, you get a person like me, men tend more often than not to be the non-merciful side of things. And so like my kids, see, oh, and they're even in the room. Oh, well, it's, it's in the notes. They got to go with it. And so I've got, I've got kids who seem to like not figure out there's a rule. We don't eat in the living room. And yet I go to sit down on the couch and I get stuck to the Pop-Tart that is squished on my couch. And so because I am not the merciful side of God, I'm the just side of God. That's how he made me. And I say to my wife, honey, we have four for a reason. Let me smite one of them. They will be the example for the other three. There will never again be Pop-Tarts on the couch. But see, that's because God made me in that part of his image. And God put another one of his attributes in my wife. And it's the mercy side. And she goes, oh, but I love my babies. Okay, but they're not babies. They're 11, they're 9, they're 7. This has been a decade running with Pop-Tarts, honey. We got to do something. Let me smite one of them. No, I love them. Okay, so you see how God takes his attributes. And male and female, we're all what makes up the attributes of God. So, sorry, that's all just for extra. But, you know, that's some confusing stuff, isn't it? All right, let's get on to our point here. So God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now pay attention and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth you see in the theology world we call this the dominion mandate this is where god made his creation and i mean god is creative god is amazing and i can just imagine here is god he's looking at adam and he's saying hey check out this look what i did i am super cool and creative Come on, do you see those waterfalls over there? How about those mountain peaks? You see those mountain peaks? Hey, wait until you guys come up with boats and you see the Caribbean Ocean. Let me tell you, white sand, blue water, I am cool. Look at this. And I'm giving it to you. Wow, I mean, think about that. I'm giving it to you. You have complete dominion. It is all under your authority. I want you guys to understand, if we can just stop and, and try to imagine what it was like to have complete dominion. Adam did not own and Adam did not need a fly swat. Think about that. He didn't have mosquitoes. Didn't have to worry about gnats. All Adam had to say was buzz off and they would buzz off. Adam could tell a hungry lion, come here and lay down, I want to tickle your belly. And the hungry lion would come here and lay down and he would tickle his belly and not get his hand bit off because Adam had perfect dominion. Everything was the way it was supposed to go. He was in charge. Whatever he said is the way it went. It's a perfect world God created. Adam and Eve are perfect. God created them. Everything was perfect. 
So tell me why God would say subdue. You already rule over everything, and everything's already perfect. Why do you need to say subdue? Turns out he was giving Adam a warning that I really wished Adam had paid a little better attention to. Because it turns out trouble existed, and Adam didn't even know about it. See if we can go back to the beginning again. One of those hosts of heaven, an angel, matter of fact, one of the three chief archangels, his name was Lucifer. Well, he allowed his heart to turn. He was originally one of God's most beautiful of his creatures. The Bible tells us that he was supposed to lead the host of heaven in worship. And so he got to see the glory of God as the glory went to God. And unfortunately, he decided he wanted it for himself. Scripture tells us that he said, I will make myself like the most high. He thought he could be God. He could have the glory to belong to God. And because of that, he was thrown out of heaven. And we have this recorded in our Bibles in the very end in Revelation, but it took place in the very beginning. I'll show it to you in Revelation 12. It said, there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough. Somebody should say amen to that part. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Now he's cast down to the earth. No longer will he experience the fellowship of God he used to have. No longer will he see and touch the glory of God that he used to be a part of. Nope. Now he stands upon the earth. And I want you to imagine for a minute, because, well, the devil is not a good guy. And he wasn't having a good moment of self-reflection at this point. I don't know if any of you have ever done something where you did something horrifically wrong and you regretted it and you wished you could take it back. Well, he didn't do the last part, but I think at this point he figured out he screwed up pretty big and he's angry and he is seething and he is watching as God does what God's going to do and God creates the world. And you can just imagine him standing down on earth and he is just scowling at everything. How dare he cast me down? Doesn't he know what he created me to do? One of the most beautiful things he ever created. Did he forget that? Doesn't he know how awesome I am? I was leading everybody and, and worshiping the glorious kingdom. Of, I mean, how dare he cast me down? I deserved a little piece of that. I was contributing to it after all. I was leading the host. It was, it was my place. I deserve some of that. Wait, what, what does he think he's doing now? Look at him over there creating that thing lower than me y'all do know scripture says that for a time we are made lower than the angels over there creating that that thing that's not even as high as me how is he putting such time and energy into it and so individual i don't understand that over there he's, he's making making joe he's not just some assembly line and he's he's making joyous and, and he's making laura and he's he's fashioning each one the bible tells us in psalm 139 i was fearfully and wonderfully made Bible tells us in Ephesians we were made by God in his image for good works and, and he's he's doing an amazing work over there all of creation and Satan is just scowling and he's seething and he's angry and he's watching as God makes his prized creation and then are you kidding me 
Are you kidding me? He's putting him in charge? He's putting that being in charge of all of this? No way. And if you've ever seen somebody who gets really angry and says, I'll tear this place down with me, it started with Satan. Satan was the first one to say, I will take creation down. I will take man down. I will get every one of them. Matter of fact, I will rule over them because I will rule through them. I will rule all of this. It'll all be mine. All I have to do is get them to do one thing. One thing. I fell by doing that one thing. I saw God's glory and I still fell into the trap of doing that one thing. Let me tell you, I'll get them to do that one thing. It's only going to take one. And then I'll rule them. I'll rule this beautiful creation God made. It'll be mine. I may not be number one God up in heaven, but I tell you what, I'll be number one God down here. I'll be in charge of them. I'll be in charge of this. It'll all belong to me. It'll all be my glory. And so, Satan appeared as a serpent. And he decided to make Eve believe she'd be better off doing it her way. Matter of fact, he made Eve believe that God did not even have her best in mind. Matter of fact, he made Eve believe that God was just trying to keep her from her greatness, and that was to be like God. And in her reasoning, she did the one thing that God said not to do. Genesis 2, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This wasn't the kind of take a bite and fall over dead on the spot. No, not like that. This was because if you eat of it, death will enter the world. You need to understand that up until this point, there was no death. Up until this point, there was no sickness. God's creation was going to live forever. Adam and Eve would have lived forever. You and I would have lived forever. And we would have been perfect forever. There was no sickness. There was no death. All we had to do was one thing and people talk about god saying oh he's a god of rules and, and you got to follow all these rules and like it was all about god trying to keep us down no it was about the most simple thing in the world god gave them this incredible world if you can imagine i mean if you can if you've ever been to the caribbean and seen how beautiful it is imagine the earth before it was fallen imagine before anything was wrong and it all existed for them and god says you can eat of any any of this fruit, any tree in the garden, cut one of them down, turn them into baseball bats, play a game with it, have fun, enjoy life. Just don't eat of this one. Because I need you to remember I'm God and you're not. That's all I want. Don't eat of this tree so that we will both always remember I'm God, you're not. And then Eve reasoned because Satan tempted. And then the result Earth is lost. Mankind is lost. The dominion we had is gone. The relationship we had with God is broken. And now the Bible even says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. <laughs> that is how we got here. Anybody want some good news? We're not going to be staying here. And when I say we're not going to be staying here, I'm not just doing one of those preacher messages where they like to tell you life is miserable, but someday look forward to heaven. Someday we're all out of here. Yeah, good. We're all out of here. Someday heaven's coming. But I'm talking about right here, right now. The kingdom of God is on the earth. The authority of God is on the earth. The authority of God to rule in our lives, to be what God created us to be, to have the authority in our world that he has given us. That is here right now. Not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about everything that God has for us. Because 
Satan had a plan, but so did God. See, God knew in the very beginning about Jesus. We're going to pick up that story next week. It turns out right there in the garden, he got Adam, he got Eve, he got Satan, and he said, let me tell you about my son. It's not going to stay broken. The Bible may call him now the one who rules this world, but Jesus has come, and his kingdom is coming. So the question for us is, what does this mean for us today? What if you never come back and hear the other five parts of the series? What if you never get anything other than the question, how did we get here, and what do we do with that? Well, honestly, we need to get the warning that Adam missed. I mean, if he had just paid attention. But since he didn't, you and I really need to pay attention. We need to subdue and rule over. We need to subdue and rule over. And I realize I need to help some of you right now because y'all are getting creative. Whoa, I got permission from the pastor to subdue. Can't wait for the morning drive in tomorrow because some of those people are crazy. And when somebody cuts me off, I'm going to subdue. I am going to rule over. I'm going to put them in the ditch because the pastor told me I could. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about your morning trip to Starbucks. You know, you got just a few minutes. You're kind of late to work. You go in, you get in line, and right in front of you is somebody going, so what does one of them macchiatos taste like? And you think I would enjoy one of those? No, I think you would enjoy one of them mochas. You should try one of those. I don't know. Let me think about this. No, that's not who you need to subdue and rule over either. You know, when I talk about we need to subdue and rule over, we need to understand this. In the rest of this series, we are going to get the idea that God has given all authority to his son, and his son turned to his disciples and said, all authority has been given to me, now go. And we are going to take the, the kingdom of God Every place we work, where we live, to our families, to our neighborhoods, we're going to take the authority that's been given to us out there. But before we can get that, before the rest of the series comes, and we begin to be the ones who take the kingdom of God to this world and advance the kingdom of God upon this earth, we need to start right here. The kingdom of God has got to rule this first. We must subdue and rule ourselves. We've got to subdue and rule ourselves. When we talk about this, it really kind of gets divided up a little bit because if we think about our lives, the first thing that would come to mind is just our, our, our inside, our souls. We talk about our souls, we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions. We're talking about what we think, what we want, and what we feel. And that needs to come in line with what God wants. That's what we need to subdue. You see, King David said it best in Psalms when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, soul. Bless the Lord, mind, will, emotions, whichever one of you doesn't feel like doing it, get your act together and do it. I mean, come on, how many times do you come here on a Sunday and you don't feel like blessing the Lord? You know, you had a fight with your spouse on the way or somebody on the parking team told you to park somewhere you didn't want to park or who knows, whatever it is, and you're, you're angry and you're not in the mood for this. And you may have to say, soul, get in line. You know, if you want to, you can exchange the word soul for self. It's self, bless the Lord. Self, obey God. Self, and I'm going to give you this one. Y'all try this one tomorrow morning. Look in the mirror right before you go to work and say, self, God is great. And you are not. We need to remember, God is great. 
We don't need to reason like Eve did. Well, I'll tell you why I think I can do what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. Self. You see, what we need to subdue and rule over is the sinful human nature that keeps the kingdom of God far from our very own lives. And once we begin to subdue our soul, our thinking, our mind, our will, and our emotions, then we need to look at the immediate world that is still under our dominion. You understand we do have a world under our dominion. Maybe there's some broken things out there, but there's some things right here we're supposed to be able to fix. It's called our home. It's called our activities, our schedule, our calendar, our career, our uh, whatever we do, our time, our energy, our finances. That is what is supposed to be under God's dominion. Joshua said this one best. Some of us don't realize Joshua did it, even though you got the plaque on your wall. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You see, what he did is as he was taking God's people into the promised land, Moses had died, Joshua just inherited the leadership of some really rebellious, difficult people. They had wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God had already kind of told Moses, look, you know, you're going to die, they're going to turn from me, and so Joshua inherited that. Who wants that job? But he looks at him, and as he's about to cross the river and go into the promised land, he stops, and right before the water, he turns around and he says, hey, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, the question we need to ask is, God, what do I need to subdue in my life? And fill in this blank for me. My what will serve the Lord? You see, my career will serve the Lord, not my ego. The only reason I have that job is to make him famous on the earth. The only reason I have that job is to bring his influence into where I work. I don't do this so I can get more accolades or more stripes or more yes sirs or more anything. I don't do my career for me. I do my career for him. My career will serve the Lord. My finances will serve the Lord, not my greed or my materialism or my selfishness. I will say, God, what do you want to do on the earth with the stuff you've given me? My schedule will serve the Lord. My priorities will serve the Lord. My relationships will serve the Lord, not my desires or my wants or my lusts. No, it'll serve the Lord. Fill in that blank. What for you needs to be my whatever will serve the Lord? You see, we must subdue and rule over ourselves. Now look, I hope at this point you're inspired. Anybody inspired? Anybody ready to go and get control of your life and bring the kingdom of God into your home and into your soul and say, man, we're gonna do, I'm going to get this. I can't wait to get up tomorrow. I'm going to look in the mirror. I'm going to say some of the things Jimmy said. Man, I am ready to go. I'm going to share with you the bad news. I'm going to challenge you, actually, because no one yet has asked the question, how do I subdue and rule over my soul and the world under my dominion? How? Well, there's only one answer. Obey God. So let me explain. When we choose to do what we want, when we choose to act upon what we feel or what we think, when we make the mistake Eve made and we begin to reason why our ways are better than God's ways because God's really just trying to keep us down, when we begin to do that act, what we ultimately do is rebel against God. When we rebel against God, we do what Satan did first and we become his partner. Now, I know nobody wanted to hear that. I mean, come on. Y'all go to work tomorrow morning, and somebody says, hey, what'd you guys talk about at church? And you want to say, oh, God loves me. 
I mean, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? None of you want to look at some one of your coworkers and say, well, I learned how, you know, I, like, I don't obey God. Suddenly I am Satan's partner. I mean, no, that doesn't preach very well. Nobody even wants to hear me say what I'm saying. But here's the reality. When we do not obey God, then we fall into the very trap of doing what Satan did, and he's been trying to take us down ever since the beginning. So I'm going to give you something you can put on your fridge or you can tweet it or whatever you want to do with it, but this is your takeaway for today. You cannot rule over an enemy while he rules over you. We can't rule over an enemy while he rules over us. And as long as we look at something God says, and I don't think so, God, you know, I've just got a pretty good reason why I'm going to do it a different way. We can't rule over an enemy while he's ruling over us. There is only one way to answer. How do I subdue and rule over? And it is by doing it God's way. It's the only possible answer that can ever come. So here's my challenge for us this week. Fill in the blank. My what will serve the Lord that currently does not. Now look, let's be honest. There's nobody here that knowingly, most most of them, is wagging their finger in God's face. I mean, I don't think anybody here is willing to raise your hand and say, I look God in the face and say, I know you don't like it, I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, most of no. The truth is, most of us are unaware of what doesn't follow God's way. Most of us are unaware of which of our thoughts and which of our feelings or which part of our schedule or our, our lives. Most of us are unaware of what we need to subdue. So I want you to ask God this week, God, what do I need to subdue in me so that your kingdom rules and reigns right here? Because I'm ready to take your kingdom up there. I'm going to start right here. I'm going to close by talking to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. I don't know why that is. We've all got our own reasons. You see, it kind of comes back to that word again, reasoning. We, we reason we can deal with Jesus later. We reason that we don't need that church sort of thing. Or we reason we don't need religion or whatever your reason is. I, I went to church 16 years of my life reasoning I would deal with Jesus later. And when I finally did give my life to Jesus, it wasn't even a church. What are the odds of that? I believe there's somebody here today, as we've seen so often, that need to surrender. You need to begin by letting Jesus become your king. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to stand up or come down front, but just right where you're seated, would you all join me and pray something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I want you to rule over everything in me that is not of you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer here today is that you give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. 
That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.